Are you still making a nonsense of it, Doctor, in your... What was it called? TARDIS? Yes, we're still travelling, yes. Yes, Mr. Travers told me all about it. It's, um... Well, it's, to say the least, an unbelievable machine. Any more unbelievable than the Yetis? No, true. I'm not quite so much of a sceptic as I was since that little escapade. And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today, we are going to be watching the episode, The Invasion. The Invasion was written by Derek Sherwin, was directed by Douglas Camfield, produced by Peter Bryant, and aired November 2nd, 1968, to December 21st, 1968. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, Caleb. Oh, this is the eight episode, isn't it? This is the eight oh, episode. Jesus. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> the worst part is, is like we we're planning on recording in like two days. So. Yeah, it's it's Sunday night now, and we were planning on recording Wednesday night. Now, I have a job where I have absolutely no oversight and can absolutely watch this while I'm working. I don't know about you. If you can't get it done in time, I'll understand. (laughs) It's eight episodes in two days. I have a real job. (laughs) Uh, No, it should be fine. It's just four hours of Doctor Who in two days. Like, what's the big deal? Hey, if if you say you're up to the task, then I believe you. Uh, Listen, I binged... (laughs) The Dalek master plan in, like, a day and a half. I can do it. That's true. Uh, although you had you had time and a half on your side for that one. Yeah, I sure did. I still binged six hours of Doctor Who in, like, less than a day. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Caleb, <laughs> uh, uh, given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the ending of the last episode and the title of this one, The Invasion... Super vague, got a lot of wiggle room. Uh, what do you think this episode's going to be about? Ah, oh, jeez, it's tough. Uh, first, I need to know, I'm pretty sure I watched Mac have a conniption when I told him I binge-watched uh, the Dog Master playing in one day. Uh, <laughs> secondly, um, I don't think it's a Dalek episode because the word Dalek isn't in the title. Mm, good catch. It does not have a big Dalek on the first screenshot on BritBox, so... Uh, I don't think it's the Daleks. He said it was an old enemy that comes. I, uh, hmm, who's a recurring villain that I actually want to see? <laughs> Gosh, this is a tough one. I think it's going to be, I hate to say it, it's probably not that old of an enemy. My prediction is, is we're going to deal with the fucking Yetis again. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, um. It's uh, it's their invasion, and we're gonna meet Captain Bernard Crenshaw Phillips <laughs> again. <laughs> you mean Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart? <laughs> yeah, that one. I was close. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I had the smugness. You just called him Bernard Shaw, but yeah, sure, that that works. <laughs> 
<laughs> I did, didn't I? Fuck. Uh, yeah. I, it doesn't have Cybermen in the title. It doesn't have Daleks in the title. The only other recurring villain I can think of is the Yetis and the Great Intelligence. Do we have any other recurring villains? I don't know. I don't think we do. At least none that have recurred yet. Well, we did have the monk. No, don't. It's the monk. The monk is invading. <laughs> Just a one-man army. Or, or it could be the it could be the companions invading. Yeah, that, that's true. Could be a could be a, a subversion. Could be the the doctor is invading. I don't know. I'm gonna stick with it. It's a boring. It's a boring guess, but I think the great intelligence is gonna do some invading. He's got he's got new spray foam. Okay, so you think it's the great intelligence invading, and you also think it's uh, the return of Lethbridge Stewart. Uh, so it's basically just Web of Fear again. Yeah, <laughs> Web of Fear again. Which I guess is like a big critique of the second Doctor is the recurring villain stories are very repetitive. Yeah, very true. If there's a recurring villain, it's probably the exact same plot structure as the last time they were there. Yeah. I mean, this one's not written by Kit Peddler, so... Oh, thank God. That's definitely not about Cybermen. So yeah, I guess on that note, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was 10 days for us. Um, I'll go ahead and give you some trivia right now, Caleb, because it's kind of relevant. This is the only eight-parter in the entire series. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank heavens. (laughs) Hopefully they don't get longer. (laughs) I mean, they definitely, definitely won't, except for one time. (laughs) And also, a couple of more post-view notes. This story shows the return of Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart with his new rank and the one he's most commonly known as, the Brigadier. Uh, also has the first appearance of Unit. And also showcases uh, the Cybermen in their new official look that they are going to keep for actually quite some time. I hope you liked the design of the Cybermen in this episode because that that's... That's them. <laughs> Boy, I sure didn't. I mean, it's it's fine. It just doesn't have the um like it's a it it looks dumb, but I also really really like the uh the OG Cybermen from the 10th planet. It looks it looks so slapshot thrown together. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think I think that's where my issue with the Cybermen at large is. Because uh, I was actually thinking this, like, surprise during the big battle in, like, episode 8. <laughs> I was thinking, why I don't like them. And I agree. I kind of agree that I like the more slapshot design in the 10th planet. Uh, you know, that one we didn't see. Yeah. Because uh, the show has a higher budget now. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like they knew how to do humanoid robot costumes without them looking really dumb. Uh, it's funny you say that, because here's another trivia for you. Uh, this was the most expensive Doctor Who story to produce to that date, and would also remain so for several years. Oh, I, I believe it. And those costumes were still shit. Because I was like, well, I don't like. I don't think the Daleks are 
that dumb. I was like, but maybe it's just because they're not humanoid. Like, yeah, they look stupid, but they also don't look like people. And maybe it's like an uncanny valley. Thing. Yeah, I was just about to say, it's a very uncanny valley effect. I will go ahead and uh, reassure you of something. We will not be seeing the Cybermen for quite some time. Oh, thank God. Holy shit. <laughs> I remember that this was one of the second Doctor episodes. I was like, oh, God. Didn't we just fucking have... Like, it's been so recent since our last Cybermen episode. Nobody needed to explain to Zoe who the Cybermen were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because Zoe's intro episode was a Cyberman episode. <laughs> yes. And, uh... Yeah, I thought that, and if you guys remember five minutes ago, when Mac gave me a fucking bait and switch in the intro, when I was like, is it a Cyberman episode? And he was like, ah, it's not written by Kit Pedler. Yeah. And then, spoilers, during the intro sequence of the episode one of this, I forget who the writer is, and it goes, inspired by a story by Kit Pedler. And I literally out loud went, Mac, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one was written by Derek Sherwin, and I think, I'm pretty sure, I think Wheel in Space was the same in that it was written by, I don't remember, uh, inspired by a story by Kit Pedler. Uh, to this one's credit, however, it's not just the Tenth Planet again, <laughs> like so many other Cybermen episodes have been. I I really liked the invasion if i'm going to be perfectly honest with you and i couldn't tell you whether it was because it was actually good or because it was the first cyberman episode in a while that wasn't just the same shit over and over again yeah um i mean like it does take a while for the cybermen to be revealed i mean it's what episode four when we actually see one i think it's the very end of episode three i don't remember somewhere in there three or four Somewhere in that range. Yeah, like, it's fine. My general thoughts going into it was like, it, it was fine. I really do not like these long Doctor Who episodes. It didn't have to be as long as it was. I'll give you that. It did not. And it, like, it still has very much the issues of like, going back and forth. And like, we're going to go uh, to the IE headquarters and then to the unit headquarters and then back to IE. Yeah, it definitely seemed a little bit hot potato-y, but it, I felt it a little bit less egregiously this time because it felt like they were actually doing shit at those locations instead of just be like, all right, we'll just wait six minutes and all right, let's go to the next place. Yeah, that's true. I like more does happen and there there are also more locations because like especially in like the Cyberman episodes, there's usually like two locations. Yeah, if that. Going back and forth to. If that. Um. They are basically going back to, there's like eight different locations in this episode. Yeah. Or this arc. So, uh, so like they do move around a lot, but sometimes it's different places. I don't know. It's just, the, the, the doctor does know at one point that, uh, cause they go to Vaughn's office in like London and then they go to his office at another headquarters and the doctor knows, this looks, <laughs> wow, well, this looks exactly the same. And he's like, I like to remain consistent. Uh-huh. That and they couldn't afford. They couldn't afford to make another set <laughs> consistently within the budget. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> we're we're doing it again, Caleb. We're not. We're, we're talking about specifics <laughs> without actually going into the episode. So let's go ahead and dive right in. 
Yeah, I guess let's dive right into my beautiful descriptions. All right, The Invasion, Episode 1. The TARDIS winks back into reality on the dark side of the moon. An unknown ship fires a missile at them, and the Doctor narrowly manages to get the TARDIS away. It lands in the middle of a pasture, except something is wrong and now it's invisible. Once they realize they are in 20th century London, again, the Doctor decides to go see Travers. They hitch a ride from some shifty man in a truck, and they are followed by two people on motorcycles. After dodging them, the stranger explains their pursuers worked for International Electromatics, basically evil Apple. Well, Apple. He helps them a bit of the way, but is promptly killed by guards shortly after the Doctor and his companions leave. In London, they find Travers' address, but they only find a young photographer named Isabel at the residence. She explains that Travers moved a while ago, and her and her uncle, Professor Watkins, reside there now. Jamie and the Doctor leave to find Watkins while Zoe poses for Isabel. After being caught on company property, the two are brought before Vaughn, the leader of the company. He offers to help fix the circuits the Doctor has with him. After the two leave, Vaughn flips a switch in his office and reveals a weird machine that speaks to him. First, first note is, a story by Kit Pedler. No! <laughs> Literally, the moment I saw it on screen, I messaged Mac like, this is a fucking Cyberman episode, isn't it? <laughs> I think I responded, with the, I responded to you with, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because it's funny, if we didn't know that it was written, that the story was by Kit Pedler and... He has one idea. This almost feels like it would be a, a great intelligence episode. Like, yeah. Like, before it's revealed that the Cybermen are behind this, it feels like the great intelligence is. I mean, there's no Yeti. I'll give you that. But, like, it has all the hallmarks of of a GI plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. If I hadn't seen Kit Peller before, that probably would have been my guess. What was my prediction for this episode? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was great intelligence. Yeah, so... But Mac actively deceived me. <laughs> I didn't actively deceive you. I passively deceived you by not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was active because you, you, you put the hint out there. You're like, it wasn't written by Pit, Kit Peddler. Yeah, it was a story idea, but I'm going to leave that part out. <laughs> I mean, you know, it wasn't written by Kit Peddler. <laughs> I didn't lie to you. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that when they figure out where they where they land, uh, the doctor's like, "Oh well, let's go let's go visit Travers. Let's see what's he what he's up to." That just kind of like reinforces, "Oh okay, this might be a great intelligence story," because Travers has been in all of those. Yeah, we get Travers back, <laughs> but when he said that, I was like, "But why? Were we like were we on that good of terms with Travers at the end of the Web of Fear?" <laughs> I mean, they weren't bad terms, but I didn't really, like, get the vibe that he and the Doctor were, like, friends. I don't know. I don't know. I would like your help, though, because I wrote down... I wrote down a note, and I don't know what it means. I wrote down, ah, the true villain, capitalism. But I don't know what I meant by that. That's probably when, like, that guy... Because, like, uh, after they're picked up at the TARDIS, this guy in the truck is literally, like... Yeah, that's uh, International Electromatics. They make all the computer parts in the world, and they have, like, they own, like, half of Britain, and they have their own armed security force. Right, because he's because it has, like, a monopoly on the electronics creation. Right. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, that's why I refer to them as basically evil Apple. <laughs> they make the note of <laughs> the secret police, basically. 
pull him over as they're uh, as he's driving away, and he gets the doctor and and the companions to leave uh, quickly, and then they pull him over, and they want to see the back of his truck, and he's like, and he's like, see nothing, and they're like, you're coming with us, and he's like, uh, no, the fuck I'm not. You got a warrant? They're like, you're coming with us. It's like I'm not going anywhere without a warrant, and they like point their guns at him and and he's like you can point your gun at me all you want that still won't give you a warrant <laughs> and i was like i like this guy he's not going anywhere without a warrant a cab uh, and then he get A-cab. then he gets shot yes. but you know in the brief moments that he was actually a character i liked him yeah, no, I thought it was cool. I have this really bad tendency of like liking characters and then getting killed early in stories. <laughs> um, so then they make it to London, and they find Travers' apartment. I guess. I guess. I feel like Travers would have a house. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Uh, no, no, no. They're flats and. The yes, UK. yes. It's not an apartment. It's a flat. <laughs> yeah, he he knocks, thinking that it's Travers' place. Uh, no one answers, so he just goes in like (laughs) that's not cool (laughs) the doctor's plan didn't have manners (laughs) yeah which explains basically everything (laughs) Uh, and they find a girl on there um posing for instagram before instagram was cool (laughs) right and it ends up that her uncle is professor watkins who i guess knows travers but travers is in america yeah uh so fun fact Originally, Travers and Anne were supposed to appear, but they were replaced by uh, Isabel and uh, Watkins because the guys who wrote Travers and Anne, Merwin Hazeman and Henry Lincoln, they refused to give up the rights to those characters. And then the scriptwriter's like, okay, fuck it. Here's two new characters who are basically the exact same. And, uh, and then... Hazeman and Lincoln were like, no, 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 wait, you can have them. And they're like, no, too bad. We've already we've already gotten very involved in the plot, so we're not spending the money to to have those characters brought back. So wait, wait, wait a minute. Um maybe maybe my brain is destroyed by uh corporatism in the United States. But did writers have like the rights to their characters and scripts? I guess so, because for British television. Because if you'll recall, Terry Nation did not allow them to make any more Dalek episodes because he was trying to pitch a Dalek show in America. So that's why they didn't have any Dalek episodes for a long while is because they didn't have permission from Terry Nation. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude. This was also in the 60s. I don't know. I don't know how it British is British writers in the 60s had a name, man. <laughs> Could you imagine some random fucking scriptwriter being like, no, you can't use my intellectual property. Right. And HBO just going, you mean our intellectual property. <laughs> I have actually heard from a lot of television writers in America being like, man, I kind of want to move to Britain. They haven't fucking made... Like, they have six episodes every three years and that's a season like how fucking great would that be <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile i have to write 26 in half a year <laughs> those are rookie numbers you gotta pump those up baby <laughs> at one point the doctor uh i think calls uh ie or ei whatever the fuck that is um and is just stuck in a <laughs> phone tree loop <laughs> <laughs> 
And he's just getting very, very frustrated. And I'm like, this is the most relatable that the Doctor has ever been on this entire goddamn show. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just um, the Doctor getting caught on that automated customer service. <laughs> and Zoe's not around to fix it, like she does in the next episode. I, I kind of... Okay, so she's like super quirky, but I do really like her. And the fact that she scribbles all of the notes that she gets on the phone on the wall instead of like on a pad of paper because she would just lose the pad of paper and you can't lose a wall. I'm like, all right, that's that's kind of fun. I like her. <laughs> I hope I hope she comes back. <laughs> Yeah, I. You're talking about Isabel, right? Isabel, yeah. I thought she was gonna be a companion. She has so many companion flags over the course of this story. Yeah, <laughs> I totally understand why you thought that she was gonna be a companion. If I didn't know any better, I'd be like, yeah, no, she's joining the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, because I was sitting there watching, I was like, yeah, all right, at some point Watkins is gonna die, and Isabel's gonna be like, I've got nowhere to go. <laughs> And the doctor's gonna go through his repeated pattern of traumatizing teenagers and then taking them with him. And then, I feel like I'm about to jump ahead a lot. We're we're approaching the end of the episode, because after that, really all that happens is the doctor and Jamie go to the headquarters in London and talk to Vaughn. And fuck it, I thought that maybe Wendy Padbury went on holiday, but she didn't. But I was just like, why the fuck is Zoe staying behind to get her picture taken by Isabel. Because she's got to strike some poses. That felt so fucking weird. Like, hey, we're we're going to go uh, uncover this international conspiracy about uh, robots. Would you like to come along? Nah, I want to find out what this whole Instagram thing is about. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> the show is trying to make us horny for Zoe, and it's not working. It's not working. She looks 12. Stop doing that. <laughs> And maybe I wasn't paying attention that closely, but it wasn't until like episode seven when I saw her standing by Stuart. Spoiler, Stuart's in this episode. Um, but I was like, Jesus Christ, Zoe is short. <laughs> have I made that note before? I have definitely made the note that she definitely looks more like a child than Victoria did. But yeah, no, she comes up to like half of the Brigadier's <laughs> height. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to be like 5'1". <laughs> At, at she most. is teeny tiny. She's got to be five one five somewhere in there. I like that they go to infiltrate the building, and then they get brought to Vaughn's office, and uh, Vaughn gives Jamie a, a a complimentary sample, and hands him this newfangled technology of a radio you can carry in your hands. What will they think of next in some <laughs> futuristic society? And the moment he handed over the radio, I was like, okay, so that's, like, bugged or evil in some way. There's something up with the radio. (laughs) And there is. Spoilers. Also, Jamie does his, like, classic thing of just, like, not knowing when to shut the fuck up in this bit. Because that, uh, I don't remember exactly how the conversation goes, but Vaughn basically asks him, what are you doing here? And Jamie's all like, we're trying to find some circuits for the TARDIS. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> it's like, I'm trying to find some circuits for the TARDIS. You see, it's this machine that we use to travel through time and space. And, and uh, Doctor, why are you stomping on my foot? Stop it. I'm trying to explain their situation. <laughs> <laughs> I do, because re- uh, Packer, 
is the head of security for for IE. Packer is asked to oh so politely throw them out of the building. And <laughs> and uh Packer throws them out and says, Next time make sure you read the notice on the door, like the keep out sign. And then and Jamie says, Oh, don't tell me you can read as well. What else can you do? And the doc says, Jamie. <laughs> oh, I really like that line. I'm I'm definitely, definitely using that. <laughs> Jamie, why are you so cool? And then my last note is, yeah, this gives off a lot of great intelligence vibes, especially when he like presses the button to reveal whatever like machine apparatus is behind the wall. Mm-hmm. That's him communicating with a great intelligence. That's what it feels like. Yeah, no, totally agree. Spoilers, it's not. It's the Cybermen. <laughs> All right, do you want me to read episode two? Yeah. All right, episode two. The Doctor and Jamie are abducted as they leave the company headquarters and brought into the London Underground. And there, they are meant to meet the Brigadier of the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. The Brigadier is our man, Alistair Lethbridge-Stewart, and he explains that Unit is investigating the IE for being flagrantly evil. Zoe and Isabel, both worried about the Doctor and Watkins, head to IE headquarters. When they can't get past the main control, Zoe bullies it into short-circuiting. Vaughn talks to his computer thing, and whatever intelligence is behind it has dealt with the Doctor before. When he sees Zoe destroy the computer, he summons the two women into his office. Jamie and the Doctor, once they realize the two are gone, go back to IE headquarters. After seeing the two girls packed in the crates, they are soon surrounded by guards. My very first note is... I cannot express just how much I don't give a shit about Zoe and her new modeling hobby. <laughs> the, the episode spends a long time. Like, I, I kind of make it seem like Zoe and Isabel are barely in this episode. They're not. They just don't really do anything until they leave. Yeah, because it does spend a while like of them just hanging out in Isabel's apartment and Zoe worrying about them and also modeling for Isabel. And I'm just like, I don't... I wish I cared. I genuinely wish I cared, but I don't. Can we go back to the Doctor and Jamie, please? <laughs> yeah, it's it's something. And then the Doctor and Jamie realize that they're being tailed. They don't know by who at first. They think it might be Vaughn's men, but it turns out to be Unit. And I like that they go down this alleyway, and there's a car there waiting for them, and some men come out of the car, and then they turn around, and another car comes, and men come out of that car and, and so the doctor and jamie just look at each other and just shrug and then sit down and start playing cards <laughs> <laughs> i really don't have that many notes on this episode this episode drags yeah this one was probably one of the ones that could be cut down the most the first episode moves at a very good clip i thought it did yeah but uh zoe's sneaky infiltration get up is like a a short dress with a feather boa wrapped around her neck. I was just wondering if we were ever going to get a single episode where Zoe's not wearing a dumb as fuck outfit. <laughs> no. The the girl is, has has a score of zero right now because all of her outfits have been fucking terrible. She's wearing that and she continues to wear it for a while because I don't think it's until episode five or six that I know. Is she still wearing the jumpsuit? Yeah, she changes out of that outfit and then gets back into her sparkly disco cat suit for some reason and no nobody draws attention to it that's the thing that bugs me the most <laughs> that's the thing that really bugs me at least in the last episode where she was wearing that they were in the land of fiction and like they could be it could be fucking anything but this is late 1960s london 
someone's gonna say something. Come the fuck on. Someone someone does draw attention to it in like episode seven because it's one of the only things I had to know about the episode. I don't even remember that. Okay, well I'll tell you right now. While Zoe is working out her math for like her big moment in episode seven, she like goes up to a computer and like leans over two guys to like take notes, and the guy to her right just looks straight down at her ass. (laughs) (laughs) I did not notice that. (laughs) Can we talk about Vaughn? Vaughn's such a Bond villain. Yeah. In all the best and worst ways. Like, so many of his problems could be solved if he just shot them. Just line up the Doctor and Jamie at the wall and just shoot him in the head. Instead, he's just like, no, I think I will toy with them for a little while. They may be useful to me later. Or, throwing this out there, you could kill him. <laughs> That's so funny, because isn't that what the controller, like, the little robot thing in his, like, closet suggests? That, like, the doctor's involved? You need to you need to take care of him. You need to eliminate him. He's defeated us several times because we've done the exact same thing multiple times, and he always knows what to do. But still, take him out. And Vaughn's like, no, no, I think we'll wait for a while. I hope that works out for you, Vaughn. I hope you don't... <laughs> die in a really stupid way by the end of this story <laughs> it's also i thought it was interesting that like i mean vaughn yells at a lot of people in this but he's like particularly hostile to like anything the controller says to him because yeah. when the controller is like beat boop bop you should destroy the doctor vaughn is like i'm the one in charge here yeah i'm the leader me yeah well that's the thing about vaughn i do kind of like him as a villain if i'm gonna be honest because the man has, how do I put this? The man has an ego the size of the Milky Way. He believes that he should rule the world because the world needs, um, how did he put it? The world is chaotic and needs and like misguided. a guided. Yeah, misguided and it needs a guiding hand. One, one man to uh, rule the world. And that man is me. No one else. So... He clearly has this idea that he needs to be the one that holds all of the power all of the time. So anytime the controller says, hey, you should do this, he's like, no. And there are several moments throughout the story where he just has this smug as fuck look and air about him. Especially in one scene that at the time I thought was really cool. But now that I'm looking back on it, I'm like, what did happen there? Anyway. Where he enjoys toying with people. He enjoys having the power. And then once someone challenges that power, that's when he just, like, freaks the fuck out on them. I can't think of what scene you're talking about. Uh, but he, to his credit, he freaks out on a lot of people. Yeah. I, I struggle with Vaughn just because I'm like, he's like, ah, yes, I'm working with the Cybermen. And they're going to give me all this power. And, like, I'm the one in charge. I'm the central thing to uh, making this invasion happen. And my, what makes him actually think that that's true? Because he can't comprehend a world in which that wouldn't be the case. I mean, I guess, but I mean, I, I listen. Mac is off Twitter now, but I've been enjoying watching Twitter burn to the ground from the inside. <laughs> uh, so I, now, now that I was about to question it, I absolutely one hundred percent buy that. Like a CEO is like a yeah, egomaniac who just like cannot be criticized and most importantly, cannot comprehend that he is wrong or somehow an idiot. There you go. Vaughn is Elon Musk. 
Yeah, Vaughn is Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Vaughn. <Boom. laughs> Elon Vaughn. That does sound like a Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm getting all turned around because now that you meant, now that you really mention it, I'm like, yeah, they do just kind of move around a lot, don't they? They sure do. They sure do. <laughs> so, the Doctor and Jamie are infiltrating the IE factory, and then from around the corner. They hear two Susans at once and, and conclude that it must be Zoe and Isabel because that one got me. That was like, oh, my God, that one was awful. That scream was absolutely god awful. I'm so glad that it was supposed to be in the distance because if it was like in the foreground of the shot would have broken the camera lens. <laughs> it was pointing at them. Yeah, it was a pretty blood curling scream. Um, which leads me to a broad note about this story is I feel like this is another one of those ones where the sound guy was paid per sound because <laughs> boy, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Especially Vaughn's like intercom. Have you noticed that? Like anytime he has a call on the intercom, it sounds like, like a tornado sirens going off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the intercom one, that's the one that got me. And, like, later there's, like, this sound emitted, like, throughout the city. And mm-hmm. it is the most obnoxious, loud fucking thing in the world. And it just keeps going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they see Zoe and Isabel being carried away. And Jamie attacks a guard. But, like, he does it in such a way that it clearly wasn't actually going to do anything. And I was like, damn it, Jamie, if you're going to attack a guard, go for the kill. How many more times do I need to teach you this? <laughs> you go for the jugular. I wasn't hating this episode at, at this point. I was like, if more Cybermen episodes were like this, I don't think I would be as bemoaning the fact that Kit Pedler's name is on this mm-hmm. as much. I agree. If it wasn't for the fact that it said a story based on Kit Pedler, I just knew going in it was Cybermen. It does a very good job of, like, building the mystery of what is the force that he's talking to. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll go ahead and give you this trivia. The original title of this story was Return of the Cybermen, but it was changed to The Invasion in order to keep the reveal a secret. Oh, my God. They figured it out. Yeah. But then nobody told the advertising department that because one of the, like, screenshots that were sent out in, I don't know tv guides magazines i don't know something like a promo for this was the shot of the cybermen going down the steps at capitol hill and saying (laughs) and saying this time the doctor's facing one of his greatest enemies yet again and everyone was like god fucking that was supposed to be a plot twist asshole (laughs) god damn they they were reaching that's like episode seven that that happens yeah no and like that picture was like sent out to the tabloids and like to advertise for episode one <laughs> like that was that was the issue they were like fuck okay thanks it's it'd be like if all the trailers for sixth sense were like bruce willis playing the ghost <laughs> <laughs> when bruce willis died after being murdered <laughs> his soul couldn't rest now i want to make bad trailers <laughs> <laughs> that'd be funny <laughs> Bad trailers that just give <laughs> give away the plot twist. You know, like normal trailers. Yeah, except even more flagrant. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done with this episode. Yeah, I'm also done with this episode. Episode 3. The Doctor and Jamie are led to a factory to investigate the crates, but find no sign of the girls. 
Packer and Vaughn suggest using Isabel's bait to make Watkins work to their ends. Jamie and the Doctor are growing wary of Vaughn, and the Doctor's suspicions grow when he notices a deep space comms array outside the factory. The Doctor meets Watkins and the two work on the TARDIS circuits. He manages to stop Vaughn from spying as they do so, and Vaughn vows to learn more about the Doctor's mysterious machine. The Doctor also learns that Watkins is working on a machine for Vaughn called the Cerebration, the Cerebration Mentor. Jamie and the Doctor manage to get away from their captors, and Packer is sent after them. The two make their way to a train and hide in some containers, but Jamie realizes that there is something alive in there with them. I don't have a whole lot of notes about this one because it feels like most of it was just the Doctor and Jamie being carted around. Yeah, it was. And like, there's one point where they get away and they spend like a very long time in like an elevator shaft. Is that this episode? Yeah, that's this episode. And I, I do like how Unit sent over a helicopter in order to <laughs> give them some backup just in case they need it. A spy, real covert thing. Yeah, it was real covert stuff. And the brigadier tells him to uh, stay out of sight uh, and only come in if the doctor needs him. And I'm like, yeah, make sure to stay out of sight and super, self- super stealthy in your goddamn helicopter. Like, it's just flying around the compound. Like, he's not, like, maybe if I'm really lucky, no one will look up. (laughs) (laughs) The guards are too distracted by their very loud portable radios. (laughs) Yeah, and then uh, I quote the, what happens, because they're in the the lift, they're in the elevator, uh, and they escape through the upper hatch, and... um, they're climbing up the ladder and uh, Jamie says, what happens if they get the lift working before we get to the top? And the doctor says, oh, that's simple, Jamie. We'll get squashed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, we'll just fucking die, I guess. <laughs> we'll just fucking die. So let's hope they don't do that and you need to move your ass. <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I like Vaughn as a villain, just like how cold and charismatic he is normally until he gets challenged and then he just loses it. Also, fun fact, this is the same guy who played Mavic Chen in Dalek Master Plan. Only this time with a lot less black and yellow face. Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, who? I was like, oh. He's basically playing the exact same character, only opposite the Cybermen instead of opposite the Daleks. And, sli- and a little less racist. <laughs> and just slightly less racist. Feel bad for Packer, like Vaughn's head of security, because he just gets yelled at all the time. Yeah, like, when he's first introduced, he's introduced as, like, this sadistic cop, which I know is redundant, and they're like, oh, man, don't let, don't let Packer get, get his hands on you, because he'll make you, he'll make you scream for mercy, he'll make you wish you had never been born. But then just the rest of the story, I just feel bad for the guy, because he's just constantly being shat on by Vaughn, and, like, uh, throwing out some ideas of like, hey, maybe we shouldn't piss off the Cybermen. And, and then Vaughn just being like, oh, I'm sorry. Are you the one in charge here? No, shut up. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. The whole time I was like, geez, even if he even if he is mean to his employees, I kind of get it, man. <laughs> Packer's not paid enough. And yeah, I, I did not have a whole lot to say about this episode. I'm going to be honest. It, because not a lot happens. And not, not really like happens. this episode and the next episode, especially could have been combined in the one episode. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a very extended sequence of like the Doctor and Jamie gain away in this episode, and there's another extended sequence of them gain away in the next episode, and yeah. it's very long. The caveat in the next episode is, it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
Um, so yeah, I have like literally no other notes in this episode. Um, Zoe and Isabel are not in it at all. <laughs> Zoe's actor didn't take a vacation during this because I also got that vibe. Um, let me double check. No, no, it didn't. It doesn't. At least didn't list it. Maybe maybe she maybe she read the script and was like, oh, sweet, I don't need to come into work this week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess because like she's like barely in episodes one and two. She's not in this one at all. And then she only comes into episode four like halfway through. Yeah. Oh, uh, I guess not. I guess I guess they're like, man, we don't know what to do with Zoe. She's just a big nerd. <laughs> Which again, kind of just it feels like they do more with Isabel than they do Zoe. So mm-hmm. it really does feel like Zoe's on her way out. Maybe she'll have a job with Unit, and then Isabel will will join. <laughs> Could you? Zoe would have a much shorter runtime than Victoria. <laughs> oh yes. But anyways, I'm gonna read episode four now. The Doctor and Jamie avoid whatever's hiding with them and find Zoe and Isabel. They manage to avoid Packer and his goons for a while and escape on a helicopter while the guards shoot at them with relentlessly bad aim. <laughs> the Doctor and his friends roast them about it back at Unit headquarters. Vaughn calls his friend Major General Rutledge to stall Unit's investigation efforts. Watkins is pressured to get the machine finished within 24 hours. The Doctor and Jamie break back into the warehouse and watch the two men unload a sort of cocoon. A Cyberman emerges from it. So yeah, this is that back and forth thing where like they escape from the warehouse and then go right fucking back to it. Yeah, yeah. One of my notes is it feels like quite a lot actually does happen in this episode between like the escape and then the infiltration. But that's all that happens. And you could just say, yeah, they escape and then they infiltrate. Yeah. So it, it doesn't really feel like you have a whole lot to say about it, because while a lot of action is happening on screen, not a lot of note plot wise is happening on screen. Yeah, it's uh, it's the classic uh, car chases are always boring issue it's why i always anytime i'm at the movie theater i'm always like oh thank god an action scene i'm gonna go to the bathroom mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so jimmy's super stealth helicopter like comes in at one point and like lowers a ladder for them all to climb on <laughs> and packard is going to literally just shooting into the air missing everything with how much they shoot like they should have hit someone by accident in, in vaughn's defense stormtroopers <laughs> are really cheap to hire <laughs> i mean it is just hilariously bad it's so bad they literally make a comment about it yeah it also is also worth noting episode one and episode four are both animated oh yes we forgot to mention that i actually would have liked to have seen this episode in live action just because of all the shit and moving parts and stuff that were happening i, f- I would have been interested to watch how they pulled it off <laughs> yeah uh, I do have a note about the animation in this episode, and maybe I'm just not remembering because I watched episode one, like, shockingly early. <laughs> but when I watched episode four a couple days ago, it seemed, like, noticeably worse quality. Was that just me, or? Hard to say. I think they did a lot of, what is that? Is that rotoscoping, where, like, they take an image or, like, a video and then just, like, add animation over it? Like what they did oh, in the yeah. Take On Me music video, like that? Mm-hmm. They definitely did that a lot in this, like, episode with all the action scenes. Like, there's a, there's a shot of the Doctor running along the side of the building and, like, dodging gunfire that is straight up ripped out of episode 8, I think, where he's, like, running down an alleyway and, like, jumping over and, like, a vo- jumping over Cyberman gunfire um, that they just put animation over. (laughs) 
Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, there was just something about it where I was like, like it started. I was like, Jesus Christ, this looks horrible. Yeah. And not just like bad in the way it always looks bad. Like, worse than that. <laughs> I really have no other notes. There's a lot of action in this episode. And then the doctor's like, let's go back. One thing I do like, some people get frustrated when they're watching a scene and like nothing's being revealed because they're all playing like the pronoun game. Like they're not referring to anybody by name or anything. It's just like saying he or she or they. I do appreciate that at the very top of this episode, there is a scene between Vaughn and Packer discussing the Cybermen and the deal they have with the Cybermen. And like, maybe they shouldn't be, maybe they should back out or, or maybe you should just do what they say. And, you know, Vaughn saying, I don't listen to them. They listen to me kind of thing without ever actually mentioning the Cybermen to the scriptwriter's credit. There's never like a moment where they're like, as you know, I made a deal with the Cybermen. <laughs> yeah. They're having a reasonable discussion based on what they know without actually having to come out and say what it is they're talking about, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like it, it's not as like flagrant as it could have been. Uh, I guess yeah. sometimes writers in general and like the writing in this show can be very like hammer over the head yes i personally i'm a big fan of like ambiguous conversations or like the pronoun game i like it in a well-done sense when people are talking vaguely about things that are not on screen that haven't been revealed yet so yeah i was about to say i really hate that the cybermen were literally just like two or three episodes ago like we we had the dominators and the mind robber between this and the last cyberman episode I feel like, would you say that how frequently the Cybermen are used here almost makes it more of a plot twist that the Cybermen are behind it? Like, would you say that you were expecting there to be a longer wait between Cybermen so that at the very end when it's a cliffhanger that, oh my god, they're working with the Cybermen, you actually see it coming even less? (sighs) I I'm not know. saying I'm not saying that's a justification. It's absolute bullshit, but it's something that like just occurred to me. That was like maybe I I could see it being a twist just because like huh, no one will expect us to do it that soon. But I, it was very groan inducing. Yeah, <laughs> and may, it would have been better maybe if like the wheel in space was not a total shit episode. Yeah, very true. <laughs> like if it had been like a banger of an episode, I'd been like, oh fuck the Cybermen again, but. <laughs> The wheel in space was bad, so when I learned it was a Cyberman, my reaction was, Yeah, here we go again. I was just thinking of like the perspective of someone watching this for the first time and didn't know that the Cybermen were this episode, and they hadn't been used so frequently. I feel like the how late of a reveal that it was, oh shit, the Cybermen, would have been very effective. I feel like this would have been a really good cliffhanger. Yeah, and like when you consider, like, because like the other th- thing we have that you know, British audiences didn't back then was it within this arc of this happening, this would have been like four weeks to learn that it was Cybermen the whole time. Yeah. Combine that with like the six weeks of the Dominators and the, how long was Mind Robber? Was that six? That one. No, the Dominators was five and the Mind mind Robber was six. So yeah, so I'm like, you're talking like a good, like three months between... (laughs) Yeah, uh, the end of wheel in space, and that is very true. They had a longer wait between Cybermen. Meanwhile, we're like, oh god, we just had them like two seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> They're not binging it all at once like we are. <laughs> I 
I envy them, Caleb. Uh, I know. They, they they got to watch eight episodes over eight weeks. <laughs> I had to watch eight episodes in eight days. And by eight days, I mean four hours. But yeah, because of just how this episode was just, let's get out. Okay, now let's get back in. I I don't really have a whole lot of notes. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I really don't either. Um, the Cyberman comes out. Whoa, big reveal. They look silly. They look better than before, but they still look really dumb. They look like they have a toaster for a head. Yeah. Or, or no, you know what? They don't look like they have toasters. They look like Instant Pots. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Some sort of kitchen appliance is their skull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Max, like, yes, an Instant Pot. Of course. Yes. I definitely have one of those and know what it is. I'm going to send you a picture of my Instant Pot and then you're going to agree. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm reading episode five now. Episode five. The two escape the warehouse and the doctor muses that IE is working with the Cybermen somehow. Unit is being stalled from investigating further, though. When he is told to slow his roll, Stewart basically tells his superior to go fuck himself. It's actually kind of badass. Vaughn bullies his computer friend into accelerating their invasion plans and the controller begrudgingly agrees. In the warehouse, they test the machine on the Cyberman, and the device imbues the Cyberman with a sense of fear, which puts it into a psychotic rage. Isabel comes up with a plan to photograph Cyberman, but her and Zoe are dismissed as not being up to the task because they are women. In their womanly wiles, they do it anyway and drag Jamie along. (laughs) I knew I'd get a reaction out of you. When someone notices they are gone, the doctor lets Stuart and his crew look for them while he works on his circuits. The three are chased by a policeman into the sewers, and he is killed by a Cyberman. In the sewers, the three are pursued by Cybermen, including the manic one from before. Basically, all my notes about this scene have everything to do with the fucking feminism speech halfway through. Yeah, I know. I have a lot of notes about that, too. <laughs> I do like how at the very top, the Doctor and Jamie see the Cybermen, and they're both like, oh, no. And there's just something about the Doctor whispering to Jamie... Let's go back to the canoe. That was just really <laughs> funny to me because they used the canoe to like infiltrate the the factory to like they had some sort of canal that led to it. <laughs> just like I, there was something about the line of let's go back to the canoe. <laughs> just made me laugh. A canoe is not like an, an intimidating word or thoughts. Like you see this like big scary robot and you're like, let's get back to the canoe. <laughs> Quick, go down the curly slide. <laughs> So, yeah, they sneak away, and then Vaughn has, like, a very heated argument with his fucking computer thing. Is this the episode where Rutledge has the has the meeting? Yes. Okay. At some point, the Brigadier says, if you can't trust Unit, who can you trust? I'm like, Brigadier, wasn't the wasn't Unit made, like, five minutes ago? <laughs> Isn't this a, <laughs> a new organization? Because it's, it's built to fight extraterrestrial threats. At this current moment in time, from the outside looking in, it kind of looks like a a group of crackpots who are investigating aliens. Because, like, I wouldn't trust them. I'm like, no, you're a, you're a waste of taxpayer money. Fuck you. <laughs> They're shield. They're shield. Unit is basically the Doctor Who shield <laughs> moving <Yeah>. forward. <laughs> and uh, if the Winter Soldier is to be believed, no, shield cannot really be trusted. I hope that I hope that becomes a thing in uh, Doctor Who. Does Doctor Who have a Winter Soldier moment? Kind of, sort of. 
I'm spit, I'm thinking of one particular moment that happens in New Who that's definitely that. But I also feel like there there is something in classic, but I don't remember the specifics of it. I just know it revolves around one specific character that we have not met yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I'll take it. I'll take it with yes, asterisk. <laughs> yes, asterisk. <laughs> uh, speaking of unit and their military manliness... Is it just me or are all of the military men just completely interchangeable? Oh, 100%. I could not keep track of anybody. <laughs> I thought Isabel was just flirting with everyone. It wasn't until I read TARDIS Wiki that I figured out it was the same guy. Oh, she's flirting with one specific soldier. You know, in Isabel's defense, she might have thought that she was flirting with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I, I straight up just thought she was flirting with every guy that came on the screen. I was like, girl, get get yours. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the fact that they're all just soldiers in my eyes and completely interchangeable, I guess that means there are credits to uniform, but <laughs> I also noticed in this episode, I was like, wow, this this story is very similar to something that happens in New Who. And going through this, I'm realizing just how much of New Who is just taking from classic Who and just making it prettier. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic Who, but better. <laughs> The idea of using emotion to defeat Cybermen is kind of disturbing and metal as fuck and cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, because like when they when he gets the little contraption, like the box that like gives robots emotions, yeah. and he's like, I'm gonna be with a sense of fear. I was like, I don't know why we're starting with fear. That immediately seems like the worst idea. <laughs> If you're going to imbue something that doesn't have emotions with, like, one of the most intense bad ones, that's not going to end well at all. Like, make it like flowers first. I, I would I would start with, like, sadness. Start with sadness and, and make it realize, oh, God, I'm made of metal. I can't touch anything. What am I? Am I even alive? Like, I would make it do that first before I made it freak the fuck out. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> I, I, I want to make it happy. I want to I want to blast it with the thing, and like a little butterfly comes and lands on its fingers, and then like it has a nice little mechanical smile, <laughs> and then its head explodes. There you go. <laughs> but I do really like the idea of of using emotion to defeat Cybermen. I think that's cool. No, I agree. I think it's cool. Yeah, Vaughn just wants to make it very intense, very immediately. He's, he's that kind of guy. He's that kind of guy. He's he's very Elon Musk in the sense of, like, I want to do it like this, and scientists are like, no, that's bad. And he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, but I, I like to think I'm Batman, so I'm going to do it like this anyway. <laughs> uh, my next note is, yeah, you fucking tell him, Isabel, rip his balls off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because Isabel has this plan of, like, well, I'm just going to go take pictures of the Cybermen. And um, was it Stuart that tells her no? Yes. Stuart's like, yeah, that sounds like a really brave thing to do for a man. Yeah. He's like, no, you can't go go down there because uh, you're a woman and that's bad. And I'm, I'm conflicted in several different ways, Caleb. Because on the one hand, if Zoe and Isabel do succeed in the mission, they'll prove the sexist pigs wrong. On the other hand, if they fail... So we might die. Hmm. Win, win, I say. <laughs> and here's the thing. Maybe this is a hot take. I don't know. I agree with the brigadier's assessment to not let Isabel go down there. Not because she's a woman, 
but because she's an untrained civilian and I can only imagine the fucking legal fire hoops he's going to have to jump through if a civilian dies under his charge. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. I'd be like, no, you can't go down there. What, because I'm a woman? No, because I'm not dealing with his legal paperwork. Are you fucking kidding me? No, stay here. (laughs) And then I ended up having to send a squad down anyway, so why didn't Stuart just send two dudes with him? I think that was his plan at first. He was like, yeah, you're going to teach my men how to use the camera and then we're gonna go do it and she's like but i'm an artiste and he's like i don't fucking care (laughs) i'm an artiste which makes the lines in the next episode all that much funnier (laughs) but then so like they yell at her and zoe like tag team yelling at Stuart, and like he storms off and then they turn on jamie (laughs) (laughs) he's just like eating there eating a sandwich he's like what (laughs) because he says something um, along the lines of them wanting to stay safe. And Zoe's like, oh, do you think just because we're women, like, we're inferior to men? And, Z- and Jamie's like, that's not what I said. Of course, it's true, though. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, you fucking idiot. I love our stupid son. I know. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie is on the show the whole time, right? Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's still going. <laughs> yeah, the whole time. So yeah, I literally busted out laughing when Jamie said that, just because, oh my god, Jamie, read a room. <laughs> read a fucking room. I don't, man, I really need to take better, I, I need to put more context with my notes, because right now I just have cyber controller, I am altering the deal, pray I do not alter it further, but I don't remember what, how the cyber controller altered the deal. Well, what they wanted to do, uh, the cyber controller tries to alter the deal, because he's all like, uh, Vaughn's like, we're gonna make the invasion go faster, and the cyber controller's like, okay, we'll turn everyone in the robots, including you, and he's like, no, that's not what I want. <laughs> that's not what we agreed to. Right. That's probably what you're referring to. Of like, mm, yes. Pray I don't alter it further. Yes. Oh, did we not mention that we were gonna turn everyone in the robot slaves, including you? Whoopsie. Because that's kind of our thing. I was kind of hoping you already knew that was a package deal. Like, that's kind of our shtick. And now if we don't do it, I'm going to have to tell my boss. Oh, that's just going to be so awkward. Zoe, Isabel, and Jamie go down into the sewers, and a police officer comes by to tell those those dang kids to get out of the sewers. And he climbs down the ladder, and my note is, I'm Officer Ticking Clock. What do you think you're doing? Ah! <laughs> Basically, because when he was like, hey, what are you kids doing? I was like, just leave him alone. Just leave him alone. Just don't come, worry on, about come on, Phil. You're just two weeks away from retirement. You don't have to do this. <laughs> but yeah, cops are killed. There's yelling. That's pretty much the end. The end. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to read episode seven now. Episode seven. Oh, wait, no. We're on episode seven. We're on episode, we're on episode six. six, yes. Oh, God. There's so many episodes. <laughs> Stuart and his crew barely managed to get them out, noting it takes several grenades just to take down the Cybermen. Back at the base, they aren't impressed by Isabel's photos. They even say they look like fakes. Cold. Vaughn is not disturbed by the latest events, as he thinks the invasion is unstoppable now. The computer tries to assert its dominance over him, but Vaughn is convinced he is in control. He has been offered power over the Earth for aiding the Cybermen. I'm sure there is no way that plan will go wrong for him. The Doctor realizes that the Cybermen plan on sending out a hypnotic wave to take over the planet all at once using IE's equipment. 
A loud ringing fills the air, and everyone is knocked down as Cybermen emerge from the sewers. So the episode starts with the soldiers in a shootout with the Cybermen, and um, the Cybermen end up killing one of the soldiers. All the, These are all totally name, nameless, by the way. And my first note is, Perkins, no! And he was just telling me how he was going to propose to his girlfriend when he got out of the military! (laughs) (laughs) This episode has a lot of, like, the Web of Fear, where it introduces a bunch of people and they all die. But it doesn't do the thing the Web of Fear does, where, like, all those people have, like, talking scenes. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, I'm supposed to pretend to keep track of who they are. It's just like, Cannon Fodder 1, get get up there! (laughs) Private Fodder, reporting for duty, sir! (laughs) <laughs> they're trying to get them out and my my note is you two female civilians get up the ladder i'm not losing any more people today jamie keep a lookout <laughs> <laughs> jamie hit them with the stick <laughs> take the stick and go whack a cyberman with it it'll be funny <laughs> oh man jamie gets the short end of the stick a lot in this episode he really does <laughs> jamie just kind of gets his ass kicked and he's not getting his ass kicked. He's just getting yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> then they get back to base, and Isabel's pictures are, like, super blurry and not at all helpful. She storms off saying, I don't know why I even bothered. And I'm like, I don't know why you bothered either, quite frankly. <laughs> it was a really <laughs> dumb thing for you to do. <laughs> and, like, look, I'm not saying that Stuart was right, but maybe we should listen to him. Stuart was right. He was just right for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is the scene I was talking about earlier that I was like Vaughn showing his control and and it, it, it was really, really cool in the moment, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense now that I think about it later. Because Vaughn is like interrogating Watkins and Watkins it like swears that the moment he gets half of a chance, he's going to kill Vaughn. And Vaughn's like, okay, here, give me the gun. And it like, uh, Packer gives gives him the gun and then he tells the guards to uh, let Watkins go and he hands Watkins a gun and says, do it. You think he's such a big man? Do it. Go ahead. Shoot me. And Watkins is like looking around feeling like this is a trap and Vaughn's like, are you a man of your word or not? Go ahead. Shoot me. And then Watkins does. He shoots him three times. And then Vaughn just kind of laughs it off and Watkins is taken away. And I thought that was the coolest fucking scene ever. I thought that was so cool because I thought like he was secretly like cybernetically enhanced by the Cybermen and that's why he just shrugged off three bullets. Caleb, how did he shrug off three bullets? You're right. They never, because I thought the same thing. Because like when I was like, I was like, oh, okay, he got the Cyberman automatics. It never establishes that he did that. It does it not. Not even a little bit. Doesn't he? Doesn't even say like, oh, I always wear Kevlar just in case. Like nothing, nothing. Because uh, like even the conversation in this episode says he will get cybernetic enhancements after the Cybermen take over. <laughs> yes, it was such a fucking cool scene, and I was waiting for like a reveal that he was already that he was that's why the cyber controller was so confident is because he knows that he already has Vaughn as a puppet even if Vaughn doesn't know it yet like that's what I thought was happening but no he just he just shrugs (laughs) off three bullets maybe maybe Packer's gun was just blanks I don't know (laughs) it was was just a pop gun (laughs) 
I don't know. It, it's so weird because it was such a fucking cool scene and I loved it. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's really fucking dumb. And I feel like <laughs> something was cut. Oh, God. I totally forget. I totally forgot the scene even happened. Yeah. Just because it doesn't. It doesn't get brought up a single time again. Yeah. I, I understand why you forgot that it happened because it has no relevance. <laughs> oh, man. I, I love Doctor Who writers. <laughs> They're just great uh speaking of the doctor who writers being great uh cut back to unit hq and uh the attractive blonde girl offers to make the doctor some tea why <laughs> why is that a thing in every single goddamn cyberman episode <laughs> why why is that the consistency why is no, no, that no, no, in no, every no, no, single no, goddamn one no 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 Mike. no it's different because this is a tea. This is tea. Whereas Polly would make coffee. Yes. Instead of coffee that was made for him by Polly <laughs> in the moon base. Or I think Polly again on the 10th planet. And then by that one chick who worked on the bridge in the wheel in space. Now, in Tomb of the Cybermen, evil chick doesn't make coffee for the doctor. But she does make coffee when it's just her and Victoria on lookout. So there is coffee in the scene. See, what they did is they got they got Kit Peddler's notes, and they're like, we got to change this up a little bit. And the writer just crossed out coffee and wrote tea. <laughs> crossed out the doctor and wrote Victoria. <laughs> and and then they're like, unit is like, okay, we need to go rescue Watkins. He's, he's the linchpin that's going to help us uh, fight off the Cybermen. Okay, we successfully just rescued Watkins. He's the linchpin that's going to help us defeat the Cybermen. That's how it went. They're like, okay, let's go rescue him. Cut. We successfully rescued him. Like, oh yeah, it does do that. <laughs> that was so frustrating because then afterwards it cuts to Vaughn's office and like there was like a lone survivor of the unit ambush and they're like, we never saw it coming. Those soldiers surrounded us and, and took all of us out. I barely got out alive. I'm like, that would have been neat to see. Oh, well. <laughs> They spent all their budget on the next episode. I guess. Because, <laughs> yeah. There's another time. I think it's in episode eight where there's like a hard cut to like Stuart just explaining that they won. Yeah, I think so. But I remember that. Very weird. Because I, I think because one of these episodes I was painting, I don't remember which one. It might have been this one. Because I remember looking up at one point being like, when did Watkins get there? Yeah. And, and my notes are kind of haphazard here because the editing was also haphazard. Because... All of a sudden, now we're down in the sewer, and the Cybermen shoot down Gregory, and then we're back at the u- unit base. And I'm like, what? What the fuck? What? 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 What just happened there? It was a very oddly edited couple of minutes in the middle of this episode, and it was. Oh, and uh, then at one point, Jamie Jamie's asleep and gets woken up and asks if the Doctor has uh, figured out what they're going to do next yet, and they say no, and Jamie Jamie says. Okay, well, I'm going back to sleep. Wake me up when something exciting happens. And I'm like, that's the most relatable line. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, when the characters are like, oh, God, wake me up when something interesting happens. That's when you know you've got a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie's as tired of this as we are. (laughs) And then the invasion scene starts. Like the, the Cybermen land down and... They've sent out the radio signal across the planet to pacify most people. And um, and they're like wandering the streets, 
like in rows marching and it honestly feels like a very oh shit moment and i'm almost i'm almost strangely glad that there was still two episodes left after this because in most stories this would be the penultimate episode which means that whatever this big threat is is just gonna get resolved in the next one but because we know Mm -hmm. that there's two episodes they have to deal with this shit which i appreciate yeah and and deal with it they do (laughs) and they do (laughs) uh yeah i think i think the next two episodes are probably like the besides the first episode the strongest i'd say so i have issues with them but like it's one of those things where like my descriptions for them are very short because like a lot happens but it can be summarized very easily but those are my favorite episodes because like everything just moves so quickly yeah like oh man but I guess on that note, I've got no other notes for episode six. So we just dive into episode seven? Yeah. Episode seven. The doctor wakes up after the attack and Cybermen are flooding the streets. At unit command, Zoe does some sick math and manages to blow up the whole Cyberman fleet with just five missiles. The doctor is carted off to sneak into IE headquarters again and he finds himself in Vaughn's office arguing with the device. The controller announces that the whole Earth is going to be destroyed with a menacing cyber bomb. <laughs> That was my reaction when it when it was like the controller was like the cyber bomb is complete. I just laughed, <laughs> and now I just want to, anytime the cybermen do anything, I just want to put the, put the word cyber before it. All right, everyone, it's time for the cyber lunch break. Be back in cyber an hour, <laughs> basically. But yeah, but this this is the episode I was talking about where I like I feel like it's actually trying to show off like Zoe's unique traits, which is she's a big fucking nerd. Because they're trying to, they see on the radar that this like Cyberman fleet is about to invade Earth, and they're like, "Well, like we're just gonna try and take out as many as we we can with our fucking five rockets because we're great at defense." Uh, and so it's like, "Oh no, if you do if you do some real good math, you might be able to blow them all up." And they're like, "Ah, we don't have time for that." And she's all like, "Give me thirty seconds." And she goes around taking notes around everyone's consoles. Some guy looks directly down at her, <laughs> ass, and then she punches stuff into a computer and blows them all up. I thought that was kind of cool. It's kind of nice to see Zoe do something. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a cool scene. Uh, quick question, Caleb: Are you done with the recap? Yes. Okay, I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, me rambling about Zoe was part of that whole recap. I thought episode. we just kind of interrupted the recap and then you were going to pick it back up. I was like, oh, did he cover the entire episode? And I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> okay. I was fe- I was feeling like an asshole bringing up the like the cyber joke in the middle of your recap and then i was like wait no he's he's still talking about like the zoe thing okay are we done okay 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 (laughs) no i was just bringing up the zoe thing because it was it was the best part of the episode i thought when i went to write the description for this i was like this is either one of those things where like i can summarize the whole thing in two paragraphs or i'm gonna spend eight explaining everything and i'll let you know which one i chose Uh, because there's a lot of like political maneuvering in this episode. Because like Stuart is like, we need to call Russia and coordinate to see if they have this missile thing, and then we're gonna take this plane to this part of the country to do that, and then the doctor is gonna go talk about this thing over there. And like, it's not really a political maneuvering, but it's a lot of people like moving around, getting ready to do stuff. Yeah, I do, I do like how uh, the brigadier is just like, well, we've the only people on the planet who would really be able to have the missile capacities to be able to fire at the cyber fleet would either be Russia or America. 
Get me Russia on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Anything but the bloody Americans. We're with there with you. we're right there with you, man. No, I'm with you. Yeah, no. I wouldn't trust America to do anything either. <laughs> One of my first notes is: When did Zoe switch back to the stupid cat suit? Was it at the beginning of this? Was she wearing it before this? I couldn't tell. Okay, so I'm not crazy, right? Because I didn't notice until this episode. I was like, am I just stupid? Has she been wearing that the whole time? I choose to believe that she has not been wearing it. And she just, like, went off to another room. <laughs> like, the brigadier was talking in, like, his strat- his military strategy. And just, like, in the middle of it, Zoe gets up from her chair, walks <laughs> off into another room. And then walks back, and she's in her glittery cat suit. It's like, and then we'll move the tanks over. Like, does a double take. <laughs> and then we'll move the tanks over here. <laughs> this is boring. <laughs> I need some help with this one because I I feel like maybe I missed a line or something. I don't know. But the doctor was developing like this chip or something to put on the back of your put on the back of your neck so that you'd be immune to the the radio signals that were going out that was pacifying everyone. I'm pretty sure he only had like a couple basically he only had enough that were like for the people who were in the room with him and then they go over to this other military base and it's fully staffed and they're all manning their stations at the missile base and i was under the impression that he couldn't develop enough in time that it would be useful so he needed to pick and choose who was he was going to help be free of the mind control am i missing something no like you bring up a a good point because I was very confused because when Stuart and Zoe and them go over to that base, like everyone's like slumped over their computers, like with this like dead look in their eyes. Uh, Stuart was talking about something, and Zoe like walks up to like one of the guys slumped over his desk and starts massaging his shoulders. And like Zoe, what the fuck are you doing? I think that was her like applying the the chip or whatever to the to the back of their necks. But I was under the impression that the doctor didn't have time and resources to develop enough chips, so he basically just made enough for all of the main the named characters that were in the room at the time. Like that's what I thought was happening, but apparently he made enough for everyone who was stationed at this military base or maybe like the cyberman's like hypno wave can be blocked by like a good massage a good neck rub because that's all zoe was doing she's just like rubbing the back of his neck i get some smelling salts maybe slap him a couple times that's all it takes i have no idea but because yeah he woke up but like i I was watching zoe's hands like just move over this guy's shoulders like zoe what are you doing you're being really fucking weird right now before they go to the military base though i do really appreciate that the doctor was like trying to figure out what his next strategy was and was like okay i'm going to go to vaughn office and i'm going to talk to him about this whole invasion thing and he sends zoe with the brigadier like zoe he's gonna need your help you go with him and um instead of what i'm sure he would do like with victoria or something where it'd be like okay now you stay at the military base where it's safe and let them go off to do their thing instead he's like no 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 no. you're gonna need a human calculator zoe you go with him (laughs) (laughs) and then then so this, the unit base that they've been on, I'm pretty sure, is, like, basically, like, it, it is, like, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s helicarrier thing. And uh, they land, and the doctor drives a jeep out of the out of the plane. And um, to quote the subtitles exactly, jaunty military music plays. <laughs> yeah, I noted that, too, because, like... <laughs> it, it felt so out of place. 
<laughs> I was like, that's a choice. That is the thing they are playing right now. I'm like, are we watching the first season of MASH now? Because that's what it <laughs> feels like. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I like when the doctor sneaks into Vaughn's office and he's arguing with the thing and like it gets revealed that Vaughn's working with the Cybermen. And Vaughn's like, I'm going to have unlimited power. The the doctor finally tells him, he's like, you fucking think that's true? Yeah. I, I have the note of, if I had a nickel for every time someone with a huge ego thought they could control and use the Cybermen to their advantage, I'd have two nickels. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that it's happened twice within a year of each other. <laughs> uh, sometimes my notes make me laugh. I really just want someone at this military base to ask why the fuck <laughs> to ask why the fuck a toddler in a sparkly jumpsuit is here. Just somebody, <laughs> somebody, please ask that question. <laughs> I'm sorry, is this a daycare? Who let this kid in here? Which isn't helped by the fact that Zoe looks teeny tiny in this episode, and I can't get over it. She's like five feet tall, like easy. She looks shorter compared to everybody. Even even like standing by Isabel, who I, who is like shorter than the other men. She's like a solid like head shorter than Isabel. Yeah, she is. Yeah, and then there's the moment where Zoe is uh, calculates where to fire the missiles in thirty seconds that it would cause enough of a chain reaction that it would destroy most of their ships. That was pretty badass, and I'm calling it now. That's probably going to be my moment for Zoe in Goodbye, My Dear. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe she'll have a moment that'll top it, but that was that's right now the coolest she's been. <laughs> yeah, based on how the other episodes have been, it's probably not going to top that. I had this issue I think in Moonbase as well, but it was more justified in Moonbase because well, for reasons we'll get to in a second. Why are the Cybermen wanting to destroy Earth? When like they've already pacified a majority of the populace wouldn't it be way easier and more advantageous for them if they started like converting all of humanity rather than trying to destroy the earth because in the moon base when they tried to do that it made sense because they were like no 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 we're gonna we're cut our we're gonna cut our losses they they took us down last time we're not dealing with that shit let's just destroy them earth but like canonically the 10th planet took place in 1985 this is technically before the 10th planet, which means they haven't actually dealt with humanity yet. So, or like, they haven't dealt with Earth yet. So, why are they not trying to convert them? Mac, you're thinking about this way harder than the right. I did. know I did, but I still <laughs> want answers. <laughs> uh, and the writers' minds are like, yeah, they've dealt with humanity before. Timelines, what's that? What's a canon? Because also, like, if the 10th planet takes place in 1985, why does the controller reference dealing with a doctor on other planets? Can the Cybermen travel through time like the Daleks can? Or... Who knows? Or maybe, maybe there are other adventures where the doctor deals with the Cybermen, but, like, timeline-wise, even earlier than this. So, like... From the Cybermen's perspective, they're like, oh, shit, the Doctor's defeated us here, here, and here. But, like, from the Doctor's perspective, he hasn't done here, here, and here yet. Uh, Mac, you're the, supposed to be the Doctor Who expert. I don't know. Does that <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember every single episode in Classic. I watched it in fucking high school. Give me a break. 
No. Um, no, this podcast is officially a lie. Max, no Doctor Who expert. <laughs> I have only ever claimed to be a Doctor Who veteran, not a Doctor Who expert. <laughs> but no, I don't know. But it, it makes about as much sense of like every, as every other evil plan every other threat has had. That's fair. It's weird to say that I miss the Daleks. I do kind of miss the Daleks. I'm not going to lie. Kind of, I kind of miss their flagrantly evil plans. And the reasoning is, I don't know, because fuck you. That's why we're going to do it. And I could just accept that as the reason. Yeah. Whereas the Cybermen, it feels like their whole shtick is converting humans to be like the perfect robotic race. At least that's how it was set up in 10th Planet. But like in every appearance since then, they've not done that. And it's just confusing. Whereas Daleks are just consistently, oh, hey, look, something that's alive. Pow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Man, I miss Daleks a lot. (laughs) I never thought I'd say that. Right? I strangely miss the Daleks. (laughs) Maybe it's just because of the frequency of the Cybermen, but it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, probably a mix of things. Anyways, do you have any other notes or should I read episode eight? Nah, let's go. Episode eight. All hell is breaking loose now. Vaughn destroys his machine, and a Cyberman comes in and kills Packer, and the Doctor and Vaughn narrowly escape. Vaughn is killed as the Doctor escapes, and there's a bunch of shootouts in the streets with Cybermen. They manage to deactivate the Cyberman bomb, or the Cyber bomb, and blow up the Cybermen with a Russian missile. Missile. (laughs) With a Russian missile. Afterwards, everyone says their goodbyes, and the companions stumble around in their field until they find the TARDIS and until they find the TARDIS again and dematerialize. Did we mention in the first episode that the Doctor activated, like, a cloaking device to make it invisible? I thought it wasn't on purpose. I was under the impression that something broke and made it invisible, and that's what he's been trying to fix the whole time. I don't know. It's a little unclear. Because he keeps referring to parts of the TARDIS that are broken that, like, Watkins and him are fixing together. Yes. And I thought that's what made the TARDIS invisible, which... In my mind, when they said that, because, like, again, I could have sworn he said it was a bug and not a feature. When he's like, oh, no, the TARDIS is invisible now. My thought was, I feel like it's actually supposed to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Does the Doctor keeps breaking things and think that he's fixing it? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. That is definitely his MO. Just, like, he breaks it and says, I meant to do that. (laughs) But, uh, like, the TARDIS being invisible, my opinion immediate upgrade to a police box being everywhere all the time that is true it is a lot harder to track down though it is true and like i really thought that was gonna be a bit where like when it turned invisible i thought straight up half the episode half the arc was gonna be them not knowing where it was (laughs) it was gonna be dude where's my tardis i also had the note of dude where's my tardis (laughs) vaughn using the the machine that destroy cyberman uh on the on the communication device and then like feeling like haha i won really feels like trying to kill someone by shooting the phone while you're talking to them (laughs) i'm like i don't know what you think you just accomplished but i it was not what you thought it was (laughs) yeah i know which kind of shows like how over his head vaughn has been the whole time yeah no kidding like did he think that the controller thing was the leader (laughs) did you did you think that was a cyberman that was (laughs) that was a telephone (laughs) (laughs) 
Basically, that is my vibe. I do really, really like the moment where Vaughn goes over to his intercom, presses the button, and calls for Packer. Uh, Packer, come in, Packer. And, like, the video screen comes up, and Packer's not on the other line. And then a Cyberman comes into view. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. (laughs) That was a really cool moment. (laughs) Speaking of Packer, poor Packer. I've got two notes about Packer. Packer got done dirty. Packer got done dirty. And two, Packer. Why the fuck is your chin strap like that? <laughs> I don't think that w- I don't think that one was Packer, was it? I think it was just a guard. No, I thought that was Packer. Could have sworn that was Packer. I think the implication was that the Cybermen killed Packer because the Cybermen came into the view when Packer should have. Maybe. I don't know. Either way, you're missing the point of it. Why <laughs> yeah. the fuck was he wearing his chin strap <laughs> the, like that? It was just like in well, what was it? Was it uh was it Faceless Ones or Evil of the Daleks? I don't remember. Faceless Ones. Faceless Ones, yeah. They had the, the helmet on and then the chin strap that went between their chin and bottom lip and not under their chin. Which seems so fucking dumb. Yeah. I don't know why. I guess that's a British thing. Hey, British people, please explain to me. I don't think that's <laughs> how that strap is supposed to work. I do like, I think it's some good character writing where the doctor is like trying to, trying to appeal to Vaughn's better nature. To help him so that they can work together to defeat the Cybermen. But then Vaughn agreeing to help the Doctor. Not because he wants to save people. He couldn't give less of a shit about that. But he wants to get back at the Cybermen for betraying him before he ever got a chance to betray them. I don't care if humanity wins. I just need the Cybermen to lose. <laughs> Basically. And I, <laughs> I, I kind of really love that. Because at first he's like trying to... Like, we need to save all these people. And Vaughn is like, if I gave half of a shit about other people, do you really think I would have teamed up with the Cybermen in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good point. (laughs) And then I make the note of, uh, this is the Brigadier versus the Yeti all over again. Let's hope he doesn't get everyone killed this time. Because there's just like a huge shootout between Unit and the Cybermen. And I was like... I feel like I've seen this scene before in Web of Fear, and it did not go well for him. <laughs> but see, they've got something different that uh, they didn't have in Web of Fear. A bazooka. <laughs> they do have a bazooka. And it gets used quite a bit in like five minutes. And then, so, Vaughn and the Doctor are running away, and Vaughn is like blasting people with his big stupid box thing. He gets killed by a Cyberman. Um, and then the doctor's running away, and something about the way he's, like, running away and, like, jumping over shots it, it was very comical. <laughs> it very much had a, like, a Western, like, now dance and shoot at their feet vibe. It, it was like a, yeah, it was like a Western shoot at their feet vibe meets Charlie Chaplin. Yep. Yeah, that's a good description. It, it felt like the Charlie Chaplin tramp, which he was kind of already dressed like that anyway, so. <laughs> Going back a little bit, I'm going to nitpick just a little bit here, because... When Lethbridge Stewart was fighting the Yeti, the Yeti were uh, had the awesome Cyberman theme that I've gone on about in several episodes. And now, when he's fighting the actual Cybermen, that music doesn't play. And I was very mad about it, because that was the scene that should have had it. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the... Yeah. That one. I love that track. And it played over the Yeti and not the Cybermen, even though it was the Cybermen theme. And I'm irrationally angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Max, like, you don't have to be good. 
just be consistent. <laughs> yes, that is my point all the time. Don't be. You don't have to be good. Just be consistent. <laughs> Consistency is proving to be much more difficult than being good. No, no, that's not true either. <laughs> I do like how uh, the doctor is like running away from the Cybermen after the Cybermen just gunned down Vaughn with totally unceremoniously. I was kind of hoping he'd have more of a a thing happen, but oh well. He he runs he runs into the unit squad and he's like super serious about the Cybermen over there. We need we need to attack. We need to get we need to get to that communication tower. Um and the soldiers run off and then Isabel brings up her camera to like start taking pictures of the doctor and he's and he's just like, But we gotta Oh, oh, okay, well <clears throat> get the this is my good side. And he just like starts posing for the camera <laughs> with like explosions happening behind him. And then they destroyed the radio transmitter. Trust yep. us, okay? It happened. It was super cool. You had to have been there. Hard cut to Stuart, like, explaining that into a radio. Yeah. Uh, which was, uh, that very much had the vibe of um, the Mach Terror. Yeah. Uh, after the big explosion, and then it's like, and then we won. Big party. The radio tower was basically sending a signal to the fleet telling them where to land. They destroyed the radio tower, so the fleet had nowhere to land, so they went away. I get that part what i don't get is the cybermen who have already landed mm, good point are we just going through the streets and and gunning them down because the radio transmitter was also pacifying people which means that people are probably coming out into the streets wondering what happened and then getting gunned down by the cybermen but the way that the brigadier is pitching this everything's hunky-dory now nothing bad happened after we blew up that radio tower i'm just like i feel like we're skipping a couple of pages here but all right <laughs> A big, big military propaganda vibes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then once we defeated the radio tower, redacted. And then everything pretty much went back to normal after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then after that, Isabel basically like continues to be horny for the one military guy, I guess. <laughs> Apparently. And then all like, well, see ya. Bye. Good time. And then I, I feel like it spends, like, an inordinate amount of time for them, like, looking for the TARDIS in the field. Yeah. And then they find it and they leave. It's the first time we've seen them actually leaving the TARDIS in, like, four stories. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Caleb, why do I hate the romance between Isabel and What's-His-Fuck? Uh, because he's a soldier? I don't know. There's just something about it that I'm like, I hate this. I don't know why I hate it. I just know I do. <laughs> I think the reason I hate it is because I really wanted Isabel to be a companion. Yes. And now she's got like a whole reason to stay. And I'm like, boo, just come on the TARDIS. Boo, we need to kill his, We need to kill her family real quick. And then we spend just a whole bunch of time. They're just wandering around with like their hands like outstretched. Like hoping <laughs> that they're going to bump into the TARDIS. And I really felt like the TARDIS being invisible would have been a bigger plot point. Yeah. Like you said earlier. It sure wasn't. But it sure wasn't. Should I just go into trivia? Yeah, let's do trivia and final thoughts, baby. The director's wife, Sheila Dunn, was the one who played the uh, the phone tree. <laughs> okay, so we barely touched on this in the in the recap, but one of like the ministry, the ministers of defense or whatever, Rutledge, uh, he was under the control of the Cybermen and thus Vaughn. Vaughn had a hold over over him, and um, when. Rutledge failed to really stop Unit from interfering with Vaughn's plans. Vaughn had Rutledge 
come into his office and they had a meeting about how Rutledge has failed Vaughn. And then you never really hear from Rutledge again. The reason for that is because they wrote and filmed a scene where Vaughn made Rutledge shoot himself in the head. But it was then cut before broadcast because it didn't really feel very family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! I want that scene. <laughs> right? IE's headquarters was actually the Guinness factory in Acton. And then once a whole bunch of uh, complimentary Guinness appeared on set, not a whole lot of work happened for the rest of that afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) That is all the trivia that I didn't already touch on during the actual episode. So final thoughts. What do you think, Caleb? It's a very long episode. My thoughts are largely unchanged. It's a lot of like going here and then going back there and then going over here. Uh, and I thought I would enjoy like the big shootouts at the end more than I did, but it wasn't anywhere near like some of the big shootouts with the Daleks. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, especially in like the last episode, all I thought was I missed the Daleks. <laughs> so it's not. It's probably the second best Cyberman episode. Yes. I would agree with that. My rankings also agree with you. I'd say it's the second best Cyberman episode behind uh, Tomb. Mm-hmm. But like all, because I, I, looking back on Tomb, I feel like I kind of enjoyed it. But like this one was fine. And then all the other Cyberman episodes are middling too bad. Yeah, I think the argument could be made that if if Invasion was probably the length of Tomb, this one would be better. Mm-hmm. Just feels so much more drawn out. And also maybe maybe I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would because it has Kit Peddler's name on it, but it wasn't like the same old, same old. Yeah. I don't know. I really wish Isabel had been a companion because she kind of felt like Polly without Ben. Yeah. I can definitely see that. And I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think another thing that really drags it down for me was just a lot of the military base stuff felt very boring. <laughs> I was I was bored through a lot of the military stuff. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I thought Vaughn was a very fun villain. Not a particularly, like, not as intelligent as he thought he was and not very good at coming up with actual plans, but a fun villain to watch. He was very Bond, and I like that. I agree. He was very Bond. I feel like Vaughn's scenes were very repetitive, though. Yeah. Especially his conversations with the controller device thing. Like, they were just the same thing every episode. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, yeah. So, I think it largely middling, but slightly more positive. Yeah, it didn't crack my top five or anything, but it is in my top ten for for whatever that's worth. I don't know. It is certainly in my rankings that I have made. It's it's somewhere, somewhere between the top... And the bottom of your rankings. (laughs) Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about it. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow me on Twitter at Celebrity Writer. And you can follow Mac on YouTube, where his YouTube channel is MacTheMeh, where he does insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we see another attempt at trying to recreate the success of the Daleks in the Crotons. (laughs) The way you said that does not give me a lot of hope at all. (laughs) I can't imagine why you might think that, Caleb. (laughs)
Yeah.